I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This podcast is presented by Blockworks Group one of the best digital asset, event, and media production companies that I know of. For exclusive content and events that provide insight into digital assets, visit them at blockworksgroup.io. You won't be disappointed. This is David, and this is your new episode of Baselayer. I have Alex, who is the founder and CEO of River Financial. Alex, how are you? I'm doing well, David. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Um, so as I was been talking to folks, River Financial is a company I've been hearing a lot about. Um, they have done a fantastic job, uh, especially in the marketing aspect. Uh, so many people on social media have been posting about great experiences they've been having uh, getting their first Bitcoin or a few Bitcoin off of River Financial. So we're going to learn a little bit more about that. Uh, what we want to do, uh, just very quickly, Alex, you have a great background from Stanford and then Polychain Capital. Um, to the build out of River Financial, if you could just give us a little bit of a reason how this all came about, your focus on distributed and decentralized systems. I know that it was kind of in your in your process of learning and education that you became really focused on cryptography and also from a move from economics to Bitcoin. Tell us a little bit about kind of the the catalyst that really led you to building River Financial. Yeah, so I had a bit of an interesting journey here. Uh, so I went to, did my undergrad at University of Maryland where I was studying aerospace engineering. And while I was in school, got really interested in economics, uh, just kind of read a few. I first read Basic Economics by Thomas Sowell and then started going deeper down the rabbit hole and then ended up reading an essay by an economist named Friedrich Hayek called The Denationalization of Money. And uh, that the question he posed in that essay was basically, you know, why does the government control money and why isn't there more of a free market for it? And I got obsessed with that question. And, um, you know, by the end of my undergraduate you know, time was kind of had this dream of starting a financial institution that offered people access to money that the Federal Reserve didn't control. And then, uh, you know, shortly after that, I discovered Bitcoin and, um, you know, the rest is history. I've you know been mostly working on Bitcoin stuff ever since. I moved out to San Francisco and um, pursued a career in the Bitcoin industry out here as, as an engineer and uh, worked for a small startup, then ended up going back to grad school, um, particularly f- with the focus uh, to focus on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency stuff there. And so, uh, yeah, so at Stanford, I helped teach the first Bitcoin class as a teaching assistant with Dan Benet and the computer science department. Um, also had a short stint on the security team at Airbnb. Uh, you know, basically spent my, has spent my time out in Silicon Valley the last, you know, six seven years building up my skills to be able to start a company like River. And you know, something that we had talked about before, but something that I think is really interesting is that when I talk to institutional investors, they always ask me. They're talking to me about the Silicon Valley venture capitalists of the world, 
and where they have shown more of a proclivity towards Ethereum-based smart contract platforms and the systems that are supporting Ethereum. Not many of them have necessarily been outward facing about Bitcoin. Would you agree with that? And why do you think that is? Yeah, I think that's generally very true. Um, I think the Silicon Valley VCs also have a lot of overlap with academia. Both of these groups historically, and this may be changing, um, but didn't have a philosophical background uh, or kind of understanding of the roots of Bitcoin from an economic perspective and why this was a more of a monetary breakthrough than a technological breakthrough. To them, they just saw the technological pieces working and became fascinated with that because, you know, they focus mostly on computers, right? Um, and so I think that's really what captured them. Um, it's also a, a lar much larger design space. And so it's easier to kind of like sell a you know, cypherpunk future around smart contracts and things like that, as opposed to, you know, just saying, wow, there's this new digital money and it's just like digital gold. You can't like program tons of stuff around it. It's pretty restricted, but uh, it's going to change the world, right? It's a little bit harder to sell that vision um, to, to LPs and um, build classes around that. So uh, I think that's largely um, kind of the background there, but I do think that's changing. And so I want to talk about the vision at River. So reading from your posting about a year ago, we believe that Bitcoin is a paradigm shift in the economic history of the world and that existing financial institutions are not culturally or technologically prepared to support this new form of money. And so we have seen some institutions like Fidelity with digital assets where Abby Johnson commissioned uh, the experimentation of Bitcoin about five years ago. But overall, I agree with that, that most institutions have not supported or have experimented with this. And why do you think that is? Yeah, I think it's largely one, because the individuals running the institution haven't spent the time to dig into Bitcoin and really consider its implications. Um, the rabbit hole there is very deep and you have to spend quite a lot of time going down that rabbit hole to really see the light. Um, it's not immediately obvious the first time you learn about it. Second, um, you know, objectively, when you look at the, the, the economic opportunities in Bitcoin today, uh, they're, they're dwarfed by the economic opportunities and the, the revenues that these large financial institutions bring in. You know, um, JP Morgan isn't going to make uh, $50 billion a year, whatever their, their you know, profits are, um, uh, you know, offering a Bitcoin service, right? Uh, not today. Now down the road, you know, maybe. Um, and so I, I think really also it's a matter of priorities for these companies and they they don't really see the big opportunity with Bitcoin, so they're not really willing to risk the regulatory pushback and um, distract their business by focusing on it today. And I think that's going to bite them uh, later on, though. I agree. And I also think that's going to lead to a lot of M&A activity because they're going to realize that they need exposure to this and they're probably going to have to go out there and do things, um, which could be very interesting for many people out there. So I want to talk about this a little bit more. So you posted also in the near term, we see the bulk of demand for Bitcoin financial services being driven by consumers desire to build and store wealth. And so you talk a little bit about the bifurcation between retail and institutional uh, adoption. And so this was about a year ago. We'd love to hear what you're seeing today in terms of the operations and the activity at River. Are you still seeing driven by retail or are you starting to see more institutions? Yeah, so we, we still think that the story is largely retail-based. 
Um, that's not to say that there isn't a big opportunity for institutions. We've seen a lot of institutions make the leap and acquire, acquire their first Bitcoin recently, especially a lot of hedge funds. Um, obviously, the headliner being um, uh, Paul Tudor Jones Fund, and that that led to kind of a flurry of others uh, following suit. But I still think at the end of the day, um, this is all the Bitcoin has always been a story about individuals discovering this new money, learning about it themselves, and then evangelizing it, whether with their friends or with their companies and getting their companies involved. And so I think Bitcoin, this discovering Bitcoin involves, a, you know, an individual um, getting comfortable with it and then pulling the trigger for their company. So if I had to guess, Paul Tudor Jones bought some for himself first before his fund invested in it. And so that's why I think it's always going to be a consumer-driven trend. The multi-billion dollar, trillion dollar question, you could say. Um, so I'm curious. You know, what I really would love right now is I noticed that when I have people come on the show that I ask them to do this, and it's usually kind of obfuscated, and it's a little difficult but if you were talking to someone, you know, for the first time and they might start to be reviewing this asset class, they might want to start to take a position in Bitcoin, really kind of just boil down what is River Financial? What have you built and why have you built it? Yeah. So the easiest way to describe River is a, is a Bitcoin private bank. Um, now, we don't have a bank charter. I'm just using that word colloquially. But we, we are the easiest place to buy, sell and manage Bitcoin for you know, the emerging affluent and up all the way to ultra high net worth individuals. We offer a, um, a level of service and ease of use of our platform that, you know, is, I think, above and beyond what, what's, you know, historically been out there in the industry. And, um, you know, you know we're, we're, we're known for our very uh, high touch client services and, um, you know, treating our clients um, in a way that they're not used to be treated by crypto companies. And I think one of the things I just wanted to hit on is, again, this idea of high touch, of human support. For the last few years, I definitely have seen that this has been a void where it is basically the user experience is not necessarily great. And again, we're early days, so that's acceptable to some to a certain point. But I think it's becoming less acceptable today. And so you have poor user experience out there. Um, which, as I mentioned, is getting better. This is not a rant against a lot of the platforms out there. They are getting better. But this human support element, and it's a small point in your overall kind of offering, but I think it's a very important point. Talk to us about that just very briefly. Again, kind of what is the importance of that human touch? Yeah, so um, we, we get that love of human touch, one, because we truly believe that people trusting us with their money deserve that. Right. If someone's trusting us to hold their, you know, what's often their life savings in Bitcoin, um, they deserve to be able to get somebody on the phone. Now, compared to the other companies, we're focused on having more of a at not as large of a client base. So, you know, we're focused more on the higher end and that allows us to cater our to, to have a higher touch service and scale that. Um, and so, you know, if you look at the if you look at the situation today, I mean, I, I know people with seven, eight figures of money at some of these you know, older uh, crypto companies, and they still can't get somebody on the phone to help them. You know, if you had eight figures of money in a bank, you're going to get somebody on the phone. And um, so it's it's pretty crazy that crypto companies, these new modern companies have worse 
experiences than banks, which are not known for really good service. Um, now, some are, you know, banks like First Republic Bank, which we which we take a lot of inspiration from. And, um, you know, we see ourselves kind of as providing that tier of service to uh, to our clients and, and bringing that to the industry. So at River, I'm curious. So if I went to Coinbase or if I went to other places out there, I would acquire Bitcoin and it would sit potentially on their exchange, their wallet, um, and that would be it. Obviously, if you speak to people out there, you always hear that you want to potentially have your digital assets on cold storage or you want to be able to you know, make sure that you have you know access to your keys, uh, not your keys, not your Bitcoin how do you uh, resolve around the custody issue at River? Yep. So we built, um, you know, by, by focusing on Bitcoin, we were able to specialize our infrastructure. So all of our software, all of our security is focused on securing Bitcoin specifically, which means we can take a number of measures utilizing the um, unique protocol level benefits of Bitcoin, uh, such as multi-signature um you know, addresses and things like that to uh, keep everyone's Bitcoin secure on our platform. Now, that said, um, we want to offer whatever our clients desire in terms of managing their Bitcoin. So, um, you know, the majority of clients want to just trust us to secure their Bitcoin for them. They believe that we're able to do a better job than they are. Um, And then we have the clients who buy Bitcoin from us, but withdraw it to their own custody. And we're very focused on making that as easy as possible for those people as well. In fact, we're rolling out a feature coming soon that will um, enable people to connect a hardware wallet, um, you know, a, a cold storage device uh, to their River account and seamlessly transfer Bitcoin from their brokerage account with us to this hardware wallet while maintaining all of the tax lot and cost basis um, and financial reporting information. And then all of those Bitcoin are still visible when they log into River or they log into the River app, which we'll be rolling out later this summer. And so, you know, we're, we're really focused on being a hub for people who want to tr- trust us, but also but people who also want to custody their own coins. The way, we, the way I like to frame it is, you know, we want to be that company that you can trust, but you don't have to. And uh, that, that's how we think about this. Interesting. I like that. And I know you touched on it before, but as the CEO and, and obviously founding member of the of the firm, and thinking about growth, especially for you know obviously your investors and everyone else, your fiduciary responsibility. And I'm not pinning you on this, and I think it's interesting that obviously you know Fidelity and digital assets has been focusing on Bitcoin predominantly first and foremost, although they may be uh, looking into other digital assets shortly. We have seen a market this year where Bitcoin has been in a trading pattern, you know, from around nine to 10,000, hasn't really done too much. It's been fairly stable, which is a good thing for those that are thinking about it. However, we've seen other digital assets taking off and we've seen, you know, more use cases popping up. Can you ever foresee, and I'm sure you've gotten this question a million times, but can you ever foresee in the future that River would support other digital assets? So, you know, for... For the foreseeable future, we are focused on supporting Bitcoin only. Now, that said, um, if there were other digital assets such as, you know, like a digital version of a dollar that is becoming extraordinarily popular because it's it's easy to frictionlessly move around the world, you know, that's something we look at. Um, You know, we're we're not we're focused on Bitcoin and uh, 
and fiat currencies, right? So we're, we also recognize that, you know, the U.S. dollar isn't disappearing anytime soon. And so, um, you know, technological advances there are interesting to us as well. Um, anything that helps would help our clients, you know, move their money around easier. When it comes to new speculative tokens um, and things like that, you know, we have no plans, uh, nor do I ever anticipate us kind of following that route. Um, every other company in the space is focused on listing as many tokens as possible. Our competitive advantage is doing Bitcoin better than everyone else. And so, um, you know, that's not a future I see for us. And I I understand that completely. One of the things that I've seen, though, is that we've seen the evolution of decentralized finance, open finance, whatever you want to call it. And you've seen firms like BlockFi, which have been focused predominantly on Bitcoin, but have started to deviate and working on other digital assets, but you know, pretty much focused initially on Bitcoin, but then started to create new platforms for lending. Is that something that in the grander scope of things in the roadmap going you know, future into 2021, 2022, would that be something that River would take a look at? Lending is definitely interesting to us. The way we like to think about our companies is that we go deep on Bitcoin and broad across financial services. So you know, the best way to think about us is if Bitcoin becomes the money of the world, what does a bank built around Bitcoin look like? And, you know, what do banks do? They help people manage their money. They help people borrow money. Um, they help people lend money. And, um, you know, we see us as being a hub of our clients' uh, financial world. Um, we want to help long-term our clients build their wealth. And we think that in the future, a lot of people are going to have a lot of their wealth in Bitcoin. And then on top of that, they'll They'll still need to find ways to manage that, diversify it into you know real world investments, and um, and get liquidity. So yeah, we're thinking about all of those things. Another big one actually is also um, uh, kind of family wealth management in this space, and you know increasingly uh, people with families are have larger and larger Bitcoin positions. And what does that mean? You know how do you how do you manage multi generational Bitcoin wealth? And that's another you know question that we're looking at tackling. Interesting. Interesting. So while I have you, where can people find out more about River or how can they start to get involved with it? How can they use it? What's the process? You know, tell them about KYC AML, tell them about all the, if I'm listening right now and I'm, I'm looking to get my first Bitcoin or a fraction of a Bitcoin, tell me about the process. Where do I go? Yep. You go to river.com and click sign up and then you sign up, you enter some personal information that we're required to collect by law to do the KYC and connect a bank account, and you'll, you're able to buy, um, you know, a couple of Bitcoin right away. We'll, uh, you know, we don't require you to pre-fund the account, so we can just you can connect your bank account and buy right away. We front the liquidity for that, and we'll pull from your bank account later. Now, for our higher end clients who are buying larger amounts, um, uh, they they would uh, send us a bank wire. And, um, you know, we support orders up to the, you know, even nine figures if someone was, you know, wanting to buy that much individually. But, um, you know, it's, you know, we have clients individually who are buying significant sums of Bitcoin uh, from us. And so we support, um, we, we have a private client tier of our service dedicated to, uh, to, to, to that tier of individuals, the ultra high net worth individuals. And so I was going to ask you so, you know, if someone needed to have a question or anything, just email me, alex at river.com. Awesome. So this was Alex at River Financial. 
Um, again, a company that I've been hearing nonstop about. And so this was a great conversation. Check them out. And uh, we'll be talking to Alex and the team at River, hopefully in the end of the year and see how things are going. Thanks for being with us, Alex. Thanks, David. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.